This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. So, we, uh, we got to Ephesians 6 about the spiritual armor. I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the last couple of weeks, we have been doing uh, a series about the unseen realms. So, the things that are behind what we can see with our natural eyes. Next week, we will have the grand finale that uh, Roman will do about the new Jerusalem. But this time, we will talk about the spiritual armor in order to be able to stand um, within the spiritual realm. We will read for that Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 20. If you have your Bible with me, with you, please look it up, or you can read it from the screen. It's always good to have your own Bible with you so you can check it for yourself what we're reading. Okay, Ephesians 6, from 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Fearless, unshaken, and invincible. That's what we are, right? Do you feel like that? Not always. But once again, we will get to the great secrets, secret of this passage soon. One thing is clear, it's war. And then I'm not just talking about the war going on in Ukraine or the war now going on in Gaza. I'm talking about the spiritual war, which has been going on, in fact, since, since the dawn of mankind, since Genesis 3. Which means that we, we have an enemy, a real enemy, not just something made up, an enemy that's out there to attack and destroy us. He's cunning. He's evil. His intent is destruction of you and destruction of the plan of God for your life. Well, that's the bad news. The good news is that this enemy is a beaten enemy. And the very fact that you are aware of the fact that there is an enemy already means that you, you have the battle won. I mean, there are thousands of people who are not aware or don't want to be aware or, or simply ignore 
the very existence of this enemy, which are much more in danger of his evil attacks. When you are aware of the fact that he's out there, you're halfway there. Now, how about the other half? How to fight this battle, this spiritual battle? That's what this passage is all about. I want to highlight a few things that we just read in this uh, passage and then move on to the, to the spiritual armor itself about which Paul speaks here, which in fact is, is, our, is our only defense in this, in this battle. Now, look at verse 10. It's actually the verse that contains the secret that I just spoke about when I was talking about this bravery and this fearlessness and invincibility that we don't often feel that much, but that is a reality. Look at verse 10. It says, finally, be strong. Right? What else? In the Lord. That is the secret. Be strong in the Lord. That makes you fearless. That makes you invincible. That makes you the one who you are supposed to be in the Lord. That means, this means that, that you have your identity not in what you do, not in what you achieve, in what you think about yourself or what other people think about yourself, but your identity is in Christ. That's how you are strong in the Lord. Finding your identity in Christ. If you want to know exactly what this means, I recommend to you that you read the first chapter of this letter, Ephesians 1, where Paul sums up what incredible blessings God has given us in Christ. If you only count throughout that chapter how many times Paul uses these words, in Christ. That's, that's how God deals with us. That's where our position is. Not, not in ourselves, not in our in Christ. And finally, here in this final, in this ongoing battle that we're in, be strong in the Lord. Stand in your identity in Christ. When we, we are strong when we when we live in this identity, when we live out this truth of God. And of course being in a spiritual battle, this will also be the point where you're most often being attacked in this identity. So it's important for yourself to, to speak out this truth. I am a child of God. I am in Christ, especially at, that, at those occasions when, when Satan tries to, to question that, when he attacks you in that, when he tells you, oh, look at yourself. What do you think about yourself? God would accept you? Remind yourself of this truth of God. Remind your brothers and sisters of this truth of God. Your identity is in Christ alone. Uh, next verse, verse 11, it says, um, put on the full armor of God. The armor of God. That's interesting. It's not something that we, we invent we make or we have to earn or it's the armor of God. He gives it to us. He owns it. In fact, he himself wears it. I don't know if you ever got to this passage, but in um, Isaiah 59, there's a passage where we read that God himself wears an armor. Let me just read this, um, 
view versus with you, and we have it on this screen as well. Yeah, it's from, uh, from verse 15 on. In fact, this is a, a complaint of God towards his people about all the injustice and all unrighteousness that's going on in, in society in those days, and God steps in. And, and look how, how he does that from, from verse 15 on. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil, he becomes a prey. The Lord looked, and he was displeased that, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm worked salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So here we see that this, this armor of God truly is God's own armor that he takes upon himself to bring justice, to bring vengeance over injustice and unrighteousness. And here in this passage, we see that God gives this armor to his people, to his followers. Not to attack, not to take vengeance. That, that's God's job. He gives this armor to us to, to protect ourselves, to be safe in him. Well, if this armor is good enough for God, I would say it's good enough for, our, for us as well, right? Next verse, 11, uh, same verse still, uh, 11. It says, um, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Have heard that word schemes? It means that there is some, some strategy behind what Satan does. It's not just some attack here, some attack there. Schemes means that he has thought through what, what he is doing. It means that he has been studying you. He knows where your weaknesses are. He studies your patterns, your habits, your friends, your routines, your sensitivities, your weaknesses. And guess what? He attacks at your most weak point. He attacks at the point where you are tired, where you are annoyed with that, with, with that neighbor or with that family member that always puts you to the limits. He attacks you to, to steal your peace, to take away your joy, to drag you away from God, and to make your spiritual life unfruitful. That's his goal. He's cunning and evil. He doesn't... He doesn't Look for, for a free fight, an open battle. He attacks sneakily at the weakest point. That's his scheme. Now that you know it, be prepared. At that time that you want to go to church and an argument breaks out in the family, look behind the scenes and think of what's going on. Hey, someone's trying to, to prevent us from going to church. Someone's trying to, to steal our joy and to steal our peace here. Our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is what we humans are. And many times, the battle that we face comes through human beings of flesh and blood, but it's not them that we're fighting in the first place. There's a, a reality behind it. It's not people. It's not institutions. It's not circumstances. 
there's something going on behind the scenes. As if it, as if it were a, a puppet play where someone is controlling the strings and mo moving the puppets. We need to be aware of that. That's what this, um, what this passage wants, wants to lead us to, awareness of the spiritual reality behind the things that we see with our own eyes. Put on, verse 13, the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. The, the day of evil, hmm, when, when would that be? What do you think? The day of evil, has it already come? Is it still coming? Tribulation? When is the day of evil? Once again? When he attacks with anything. Just look at the previous chapter in um, Ephesians 5, verse uh, 16. Be very careful then how you live. Verse 15, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So every day when Satan has an opportunity, he will attack. And he makes the day evil, which means that every single day we need this armor of God in order to be able to stand our ground. It's not something for, oh, when the difficulties will come, then I will think about taking on this armor. No. The days are evil every single day. Once you open up your eyes, you get out of bed, first thing you do, put on your spiritual armor in order to stand your ground. Every day we need this armor of God. Without this, we're just, we're just plainly helpless victims against the, the attacks that that we have to face that day. The purpose of this, of this armor is to stand our ground, to stay in our position. It, it means we, we defend. We don't conquer. Jesus is, is the one who conquers, and he has already defeated the enemy. Our goal, our task is just to stand. So what we do when we put on this armor of God is that we, we hide ourselves behind our hero, the one who has already overcome. In fact, every single part of the armor represents Jesus. Putting on the spiritual armor means putting on Jesus. Like I said, standing in the identity that we have in Christ, being strong in the Lord. Now, when you look at the, uh, the elements of this, uh, of this armor, we see seven elements. And perhaps that may surprise you because when you count, you only come to six. Well, guess what? There is a secret weapon as well. Let's just, let's just look at these uh, seven elements in this, uh, in this armor. And like I said, every single element of the spiritual armor refers to Jesus Christ and to, to our need of him every single day, every single moment of the day. It starts with uh, verse 14. Put on the belt of truth. Well, I must say, a belt is not the most impressive part of the armor, right? I mean, you would, you would think of a sword, of a, a nicely decorated shield, or, or perhaps even the, the, the helmet. No, it, it starts with the belt. The belt of truth. It's the one thing that keeps it all together. And 
It's the first one to take on, as it says here. Truth means the truth about God, the truth about yourself, and the truth about the world around you. Take on that, that belt. Take on that truth. Without that, you're lost. You know what? Satan is a deceiver. In John 8, Jesus says, he is the father of lies. So if you don't take on this belt of truth, if you don't walk in this truth and protect yourself with this truth, you're a victim of lies. We see it happening in the world around us. Lies are everywhere. With a, a modern word, they call it um, disinformation. Well, it sounds nice. You can simply translate it in, into a three-letter word. L-I-E. Lie. And when you don't have the belt of truth around you, you're victim to lies. The belt of truth is Jesus himself. He who says, I am the truth. He tells us what the truth about God is. He shows us what the truth about ourselves is. Like I just said, being strong in the Lord means standing in your identity in Christ. He tells us what the truth about the world is. We just heard Psalm 24. The earth belongs to God and all that is in it. Everyone who lives in this world belongs to God. He's Lord over all. Let no one deceive you that any man might say, this is mine, I'm in control, and I will... God's in control. Truth is found in what God says. So don't be deceived. No matter what you hear from opinions of men about what society wants you to believe, whether it comes to, well, let's say, evolution. Everyone wants to make you believe that you're a product of nothing. And the purpose of your life is nothing. We are heading to nothing. And there is no purpose in life. Well, let the truth of God set you free. That tells you that you've been created into the image of God. That your life has value. And that you have a purpose in life through the God who made you. When it's about sexuality... The world wants you to believe that you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can choose what gender you... The, the world is, is going crazy in this area. The truth of God only will set us free when we accept the patterns that God has laid in creation. When it's, when it's about relationships, we see so much people being messed up because we people think that we can replace the truth of God by, by our own lies. People are being messed up. There have never been so many depressed people. The, the, the suicide is, is, is skyrocketing, all because we believe the, the lies of the world. Take on the belt of truth, the truth that God has given us. Second piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Psalm 24 again. Who may climb up to the, to the mountain of God? Who may come into his presence? He who has clean hands and a righteous heart. It, it doesn't mean that, that we need to earn to get into the presence of God. Righteousness actually means you, you align your life, your way of thinking, your behavior with the truth of God. Doing that, what you know is right because God says so. The, the breastplate, it, it protects the most vital organs in your body, it protects your heart. 
That's what we need. No, no hypo hypocrisy. Like saying one thing and doing another thing. For people, it, it may seem as if we can, we can paint a nice picture, but God looks, looks right through it. Righteousness means aligning your life with the truth of God. Turning back to that belt of truth that we just sp spoke about. And where God says Christ is our righteousness. It's not that we protect ourselves with our own righteousness. Christ is our protection. He's our righteousness. He's our safety. He's that we need. Your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Other translations say that the sandals of the gospel of peace. Now this, this stands for steadiness. When you have some, some good shoes on, you, you, can, you can stand. You can even run if necessary. I know a nice joke about that, but I'll tell you after service. But it's, it's, it's steadiness. The gospel, the gospel of peace that we hear about is rooted in facts, historical facts. It's not some nice story that people made up who needed something to hold on to, to, to grasp some hope. No, it's, it's historical facts, undeniable facts. That's what we stand on. That what we, that's what we put on our feet. And that's something that we don't need to be ashamed of. When people ask what we believe, we can, we can speak out honestly and fearlessly. This is what the historical truth is. This is what my Lord Jesus has done. And this is what I hold on to because it is the only thing that can give me hope for the future and strength to live my life today. Your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Don't be ashamed to talk about the gospel. And when you talk to someone about what the, what the gospel is, don't, don't try to persuade others. Just give testimony of what it means to you, what the power of Christ has done in your life, who you were before Christ, how you got to, to meet Christ, and what change Christ has brought into your life. The readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to that, take the shield of faith. Now, faith has to do with, with trust, with surrender. You give yourself to something, in this case, to God, to the Word of God. Now, it's very interesting that um, the word faith in the Old Testament is amet, from which our word amen has been derived. Now, when amet means faith or trust, then amen, in fact, means you say amen to what God says. God speaks out his truth. I say amen to that, which means I put my trust in that. I don't make faith. I just repeat what God says, and I hold on to that. So faith is not that, that difficult. You, you don't need to come up with faith of yourself. You just say amen after what God says. God says that he is good. I say amen to that. God is good. I say, God says that he wants to be your savior. I say amen to that, that God is my savior. I say that God, that Jesus, God says that Jesus gives me new life. I say amen to that, that I have new life. In, that's what faith is about. Holding on to what God says. Saying amen to what God says. No more than that. So take on this shield of faith. You know why it's so important? Because with that, 
you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and count on it that these arrows will come every day. Whenever he has a chance, take on that shield of faith. God, what did you say? I hold on to that. That's my, that's my defense. That's how I, how I can extinguish all these, these arrows of the evil one that come to me, that try to deceive me with lies, that try to take me down and take my joy away. Just say amen to what God says. In, um, in James 4, we get a very good advice of how to put this into practice. When um, James says in verse 7, James 4 verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's how you lift up this shield of faith. You submit to God. You accept his truth. You say amen to that. That's, that's raising the shield. And the devil will flee from you. The, the burning arrows that he's, he is uh, sending to you will have no harmful effect in your life. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Next element is the helmet of salvation. Who knows? Where do you put a helmet? On your head. It's not on your feet, not on your head. It's on your head. Now, what is in your head? Most, most times. Thoughts, right. Most people have brains in their head with which you think. So this helmet is meant to protect your thoughts. Practically all sins start in your thoughts. You think of something, it looks attractive, and you put it into action. In fact, that's also what we see in Genesis 3 when, when Eve, uh, for the first time, committed sin. She looked at the tree, she saw the fruit, it seemed attractive, and then it became an action. It, it started here. So this, this helmet of salvation is necessary to protect your mind, to protect your thinking from sinful thoughts, from desires, from lies. The helmet of salvation. So this refers to what Jesus Christ has done for us. That he, he sacrificed his own life to set us free. The helmet of salvation is putting on Jesus himself. He gave himself as a sacrifice for me my life no longer belongs to myself, but to him. With all that's in it, my acts, my desires, my future, my thoughts, they belong to him. Now, thoughts can be very uncontrollable. They come in, they fly out, they're, they're just like birds coming in and out. You, you, you can't control them very much. There is, however, a very interesting Bible verse which... Um, which gives, us, which gives us some guidance in that. And you can find it in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, the, the fifth verse of that chapter. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Uh, 10, 5, I'm sorry. I'll start reading in verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Our weapons have divine power to demolish 
strongholds, spiritual strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And now listen very carefully. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. This is the helmet of salvation. Whenever a thought comes in of which you know this is not in line with God, not in line with God's truth, not in line with God's will, as soon as a thought comes in, you take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. Okay? You, you have that authority. You have that ability. You are not a victim of your thoughts. You have authority over them. So when thoughts come in and you recognize them, oh, this is not the thought of God. Lord Jesus, you resist this thought. I commit it into obedience to you. And you know what happens? This sinful thought becomes unfruitful. It can no longer bring harm into your life. It can no longer bring sin into your life because you have put it under obedience to Christ. But that's your responsibility to do it. Um, I, I must honest, honestly say, this, this has helped me very much in, um, in the battle against um, pornography that's all around us. I mean, you just have to open up YouTube and you will find definitely something that's tempting, pornographic, but it doesn't have to be um, hard, hard pornography or whatsoever. But when you see things, your mind starts working. And I think most men will recognize that. At that point, you have the responsibility to put into practice 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Lord Jesus, I take these thoughts and I commit them into obedience to you. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Put on this helmet of salvation. It's your only defense you have to protect your thoughts. So we are at weapon number six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Bible. And I don't know about you, but all the, the other elements we just spoke about are elements of defense, but the sword is something you can attack with. The word of God. Now, it's not, like I said, it's not our, our thing to beat the enemy because Christ has already beaten him. We just have to stand ground. But the word of God is like a sword. I'm, I'm always reminded when I read this, um, uh, this passage about the sword, the sword of the word of God to the situation where Jesus was tempted in the desert. When Satan came after he had been fasting for 40 days and said, oh, you, you can just make these stones into bread. God, God will provide for you. And Jesus said, man shall not live by, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the, word, the mouth of God. Jesus defended himself with the Bible, with the word of God. Well, if that defense was good for him, it's more than definitely good for us as well. In order to defend ourselves with this sword, we need to know it. We need to read it. We need to take it in, into us so that it will truly become a, a power in our lives. I, I read many stories of Christians who had to face persecution and were, were locked up in prison, um, some, sometimes in, uh, in solitude, that the Bible verses that they, they, had, um, they had learned by heart were their only comfort in situations like that. It's not a bad thing to learn things by heart. 
So you don't have the Bible just in your Bible app or on paper, but here in your head as well. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It has power in it. Power of life. So those were the six elements of um, the spiritual armor, but I told you that there's a secret weapon as well. Big surprise, and you can find it in the next verse, verse 18. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is the secret weapon. And many times people forget about it, but prayer is incredibly important. You know what happens when, when the children of God pray? The power of heaven comes down to earth. And the power of God becomes active among us. You know that, that very instance in uh, Acts chapter 4, when um, uh, Peter had been taken captive, and um, they, Peter and John were taken captive, and they were interrogated by the, the council, and they didn't know what to do the, with them, so they said, uh, don't talk about Jesus ever again. And they, they let them go. And they came together with the Christians, and they started praying, and said, God, look at how, how they're... How, how they're boasting and how they are threatening us. We ask you that, don't take the threat away in the first place, but, but fill us with more power of your Holy Spirit. And the place began to shake, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When Christians pray, the power of heaven comes down. Praying not, not just means, oh Lord, would you please bless this food, amen. Praying means that we ask God to intervene in the very situation that we're in. That he would fill us with his power so that we, we would become more useful instruments for his kingdom to come in this world. Prayer brings the power of, of heaven down to earth. And that's, that's why this is such a, an important weapon, a secret weapon. It helps us to see reality through the right spiritual perspective, from God's perspective. The realm of darkness weakens when God's children Pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So where, where is this, this battle that Paul speaks about in, in this passage? This, this spiritual battle? Is it somewhere on the battlefield out there? Is it in, in Israel? Is it, is it in church? Well, in church it's also happening indeed, but if you want to know practically where this Spiritual battles going on. Look at the previous chapters. Ephesians 4 and 5. Before, and in chapter 6 as well. When Paul at the end of chapter 6 speaks about the spiritual battle, before that he has spoken about how Christians behave with each other in church. How men and wives behave towards each other in marriage. How parents and children relate to each other in family life. How Slaves and masters relate to each other. Nowadays, you might say, employers and employees. That's, that's the area where this spiritual battle takes place. In everyday life. In relationships. In church. In family. That's where, where Satan tries to attack. That's where he tries to, to, to take a hold of you. To take away your joy. To take away your hope. To take away your peace. John 10, 10, it says that he only comes to steal, to destroy, and to murder. 
That's his intent. And Jesus has come to, to give us life to the full. So when you know that this is Satan's intent, and that every day, every day's life, every day's relationships is the area where he attacks, then you know that in everyday life you need to you need this spiritual armor. In your family, in your marriage, in your work, in your school, in church, put on Christ. And last of all, pray also for me. That's what Paul says to these, to these Ephesians. And he has just advised to take on the spiritual armor <coughs> and show them how much they need it. He, he shows how, how weak he is himself. Pray also for me. I need this. Pray that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me. Because I tend to be fearful. And that's not just Paul's words. These are words that... That, that can be mine, that can be yours. I forget the reality, how it actually is, because I only see with my, my, my fleshly eyes. I'm being deceived by Satan over and over again. I'm being overwhelmed. I tend to believe the lies with which he deceives me. Please pray for me. Because, because when I look at Christ, and when I see his victory, his power, his glory. And, and when I realize that I am in him, that my identity is fixed in Christ, that's, that's when I'm fearless. That is when I am unshaken. And that's when I am invincible. This is not just, just some bravery of someone who, who boasts in himself. No, this is Boasting in Christ, when I am in him, I am fearless. But don't forget, pray for me. Now let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we, we glorify you as our Savior, as our conqueror, as the one who has overcome evil and, and darkness and, and sin. You are our hero, Lord Jesus and when we talk about the spiritual armor that we need to take on every single day, every single moment of our lives, Lord Jesus, we recognize that we desperately need you every moment. Without you, we're hopelessly lost. So Lord Jesus, here we are, hopeless in ourselves, but strong in you. Be strong in the Lord. Lord Jesus, we recognize that our identity is nowhere else but only in you. We are what you say that we are. And Lord Jesus, sometimes when we forget, when we tend to believe the lies of Satan, when we look at ourselves and the world around us with our worldly perspective, we pray that you, that you draw us back to you again. That we again would take on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the sword of the Spirit, which is your word. Lord Jesus, you are what we need. In you we are strong. In you we can stand ground. So thank you for this reminder, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you help us to focus our eyes on you again. 
because you are our one and only hope. Help us to be strong in you. Help us to encourage each other in this spiritual battle that we're in. Help us not to be, to pretend that we're strong in ourselves, but to acknowledge to one another that we are weak by ourselves, but only strong in you. So, Father, we now apply the secret weapon that you have given us. We pray in the Spirit. We pray for one another. We lift each other up and ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us, that you would strengthen us, that as we see that, that problems are, are rising, that things are getting tougher around us, that you would give us more strength, more hope, more love, and more of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful, that you never let go. We recommend each other into your mighty hands. And it's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you 